He's coming back soon for his church. And you and I have to be ready for that. But the world will go into a tribulation period of time. And during that tribulation period of time, a lot of the things that men can imagine that might happen will happen. And I won't go into all of that this morning, but if you, when you read the sixth chapter of Revelation and the ninth chapter, especially six and nine, to, and then seven and eight in between it, you realize that this world is headed for a lot of trouble. We're headed for a lot of trouble. They talk about that, all that nuclear power that now North Korea's got. They talk about what Syria's getting. All of that, all of those things stacking up. You, and you think about what Russia's already got, what America's got, what England has got. And don't, don't count out the fact that Israel also has the atomic power and they are able to unleash atomic bombs. All of these things that we hear about and everything is like we're on a time bomb and we think we can, if we can all keep world peace, keep world peace, then this won't ever happen. And this is why this effort to keep world peace and keep counselings going and United Nations meeting and having all these discussions is to try to keep a lid on this, this great explosive power that is in this world today that could just about devour half the human race. And I say that very respectfully, and I'm not, you know, I, this is not something you don't know. This, this is something discussed. This is why that all of these actions and all these activities is a little bit scary sometimes, but if you know God, and if you know the word, you can say, God, we know that your hand's upon your people. And believe me when I say that the Bible says he has not appointed us to wrath. That's the church. The Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, just like it is today. Everything goes, is rocking along, but then suddenly it will all happen. But as it was in the days of Noah. But what happened with Noah, the Lord took his people and put them in the ark. And they were above the storm, as you know. As it was in the days of, of, uh, of, of Lot and his family. You know, and uh, the Bible says the angel took them out of the city and then the fire came down and destroyed the city. So judgments will come, but God has got his hand on his people and this is what you and I have to understand about the Lord. So when it talks about this Antichrist, uh, this verse 36, for instance, here in Daniel 11, the king shall do according to his will and he shall exalt himself, magnify himself above every God, shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that is determined that should be done. Verse 37, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Now this is the, this is the goal and will be the goal of the Antichrist is to be worshiped, to be worshiped. I'm gonna show you that now the scripture in just a moment. But in his estate, he shall honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious things and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory and he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. And then the verse next, verse 46, and at the time of the end, and then it goes into these things at the end of time, um, in more specific detail. Now, what we're just pointing out to you here are all these things found in Daniel about the Antichrist and about this desire he will have to be worshipped. Now, I'm going uh, 
very quickly over here to the uh, book of Revelation. If you'll turn over to Revelation with us to 13. I want to tie these together. Revelation 13 with Daniel chapters 7 and 8 and also 11 included there. Look at, Dan look at Revelations 13, 1. Everybody with me there? 13, 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. Here's the ten horns factor again. And upon his horns are ten crowns and upon his head is the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard and a bear. And then it had feet of a, feet of a bear and then the mouth of a lion. Notice here the leopard, the bear, and the lion. These are the three other animals that Daniel saw in chapter 7 that came out of the sea. Only here is one animal that looks like all of them. And it says he looks at the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. You see that? The dragon gave it to him. Look down at verse 4. And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. Now, who is the dragon? Who is the dragon? This dragon is very important here. Now, look over, look if you're back, if you're back it up till, to, to chapter 12, we're in 13 here, to chapter 12 and verse 9. 12, 9, if you will look back to that one. And it says here, and the great dragon was cast out, that is cast out of heaven, that old serpent called the devil. So if anybody wants to know who the dragon is, underline those sentences, those words. The great dragon, which is the devil, and Satan, same one. Satan, the devil, and the great dragon is all the same. Which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. This is following a war that's in heaven that preceded that verse and so forth. We won't go into detail on that one, except to say that the dragon here is the devil. And so when you read in, the, in chapter 13 that the dragon gave him his power, and then in verse 4, and I'm going to read this again, 13, 4. And they worshiped the dragon which gave, un, uh, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him? All right, so this beast is the same as that antichrist that you read about over in Daniel chapter 7 and in verse 8. Chapter 7 and in chapter 8, I should say. So here's what it says in verse 5 here. I'm still here in Revelation 13, 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. It's the same thing you read in Daniel. Now you're reading in the book of Revelation. And power was given unto him to continue 40 and 2 months. That's three and a half years. So he will have the power and the ability to rule the world for this length of time. And he opened his mouth and blasphemy. This is verse 6 now. Uh, this is uh, 13.6. And against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle of them that dwell in heaven. Verse 8, and saving time here by skipping to verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Worship him. All. If you've got a pen put it, and you've got your Bible, put a circle around all. All shall upon the earth shall worship him. And so forth. And uh, so it goes on to describe it. Now, I'm going to jump in very quickly to the end of that 13th chapter, verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. In other words, we're talking about a man here. Uh, and his number is 603 score and 6, which is 666. Most of you are familiar with that, which is called the mark of the beast. 
And in that period of time, the whole world, and I haven't read all the other scriptures that precedes that, but the whole world will have to be able to take either his mark on their bodies and they'll worship either the image or the beast. And the whole world will go into this area of worshiping the, the, worshiping the Antichrist and the devil, the devil. Now, let me talk to you a little bit here because this is what all of this world is going to. And uh, Paul warned us of this. He warned us that in the last days that these things will come to pass. I want you to go just for a moment here to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I know I've talked to you before about it, but I'm, I'm connecting it now with this one world religion thing. This is why, folks, that you've got to love God. You've got to love the truth. You've got to love his word. It's not enough just to be passive about, you know, church and, love and maybe serving God. But we've got to really have this thing in our heart. And Jesus really spoke about that. He spoke about that to his disciples. And when he was on earth, he knew that for Israel there was coming judgment, personally for Israel alone. Jesus was crucified around 30 A.D. Forty years later, in 70 A.D., Jerusalem was completely destroyed. And that temple and those people stood there and to Jesus' disciples said, Master, what a beautiful edifice this building is. Look at this temple. It is gorgeous. Isn't it beautiful? And the Lord said, not one stone shall be left upon another. And you go there today and not one stone is left upon another of the temple. Now the compound and the outer enclosure, some foundation stones that are low down, they are one on the other, but they are the outer, they are the compound, but not the temple. The temple was completely destroyed. Every stone was torn down off of it. All of that's recorded in the writings of Josephus, how all that happened. And so everything that Jesus said, that if you see these things, it's not going to stand. Praise the Lord. Now, here's what Thessalonians says, and this is what Paul is warning us of here. I'm looking here at 2.2 of 2 Thessalonians. That you may not be soon shaken in mind of trouble, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. This day of Christ is speaking of Armageddon and the judgments of God that are coming. This is what Paul's talking about here. I'm going to uh, back up. We're in chapter 2 there, chap chapter 1 of this 1st Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians. I'm going to back up to, to the first chapter and look at verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall uh, be revealed from the heavens with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God. This is not speaking of the rapture, speaking of Armageddon when the Lord comes back to judge the world. And it goes on to say here, uh, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power and so forth. This is what Paul was talking about whenever he was talking about all these judgments of God, and he says that the day of Christ is at hand. Don't, it's not at hand. Don't worry about that. There's some things that happened before that. He goes on to say, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, that is that judgment time of Armageddon, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin revealed, the son of perdition, 
Now, here's what we do know from the scriptures. In, in First, Christ, First Thessalonians, it talks about the rapture of the church. The Lord would come back first to take his people out, just like he did with Noah, just like he did with, with, uh, uh, with Lot and his family. He takes us people out, and then the judgments come. And at that, in that judgment will come Armageddon. And that's recorded, of course, very extensively in the 19th chapter of Revelation. And uh, we will not get into that part of it here today. But what we are talking about is all of these build-up things that's building up to that. And here's what it says here. I'm reading here again in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2. And he says here in verse 3, that man of sin shall be revealed. Let no man deceive you by the means for that day shall not come except that come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all. This is, this is the Antichrist now. That is called God or that is worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And this is why many Bible scholars believe, and they have, this is the script, one of the scriptures they base it on, is that the temple will be built again in Jerusalem. The temple will be built again because the Antichrist is going to set himself up to be God there. And he's going to say, yeah. And the Jews are going to work with the Antichrist. I'm giving you some heads up on some things. They're going to work with him because they will believe that he is the Christ. That's why Jesus said, beware. There will be many false prophets and false Christs. But there won't be any. But they're still looking for their Messiah. The word Christ is Greek for Messiah, which is Hebrew. They're still looking for their Messiah. They're still looking for their Christ. They're looking for him to come. And so when they feel like that, it, that the Antichrist is going to be their Christ and he has deceived them, then they will allow, he will allow them to build that temple back. And they have everything ready to go to build it. And they're going to build that that uh, temple back and he is going to sit in the temple of God showing himself that he is a God this is the ultimate of the abomination of desolation this is the ultimate this is the ultimate and then verse 8 I'm jumping down to save time here this is 2 Thessalonians then shall that wicked one the word wicked is capital letters meaning it's a, a proper noun here a, that wicked one uh, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This is what will happen ultimately to the Antichrist. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And I've mentioned this to you before. Don't follow signs and wonders. Follow the word. God does signs and wonders. I know he does that a lot. And he has these heals. He does wonderful things. But don't follow the Lord for that. The Lord told the Jewish people in his generation, you follow me for the loaves and the fishes. You, you, know, you just want whatever I have to give you. But I've got something more. I've got the spiritual depth of God to give you, the saving of your souls and so forth. And that's what the Lord has for all of us. And he wants us to be eternally saved, not just following him for whatever the signs and wonders are because those things will happen with the Antichrist and people will follow him for that. You know what I'm saying? That's what you've got to worry. Just let me say this. Be careful about all these TV preachers and people on TV and stuff. 
I mean, some of them are just regular guys and they're just trying to give a broadcast and I'm aware of that. But some of them are really trying to, trying to woo people by showing them all kinds of things that's happening and miracles and things like that. Stay with the book. Stay with the book. Praise the Lord. The book is always right. Amen. Men's words can be this way or that way, but the book is always right. That's why I show a lot of scriptures and I read scriptures when I'm teaching because I want us to know that we're trying to stay in the book, staying with the book. Let me finish reading here uh, this ninth verse where it says here, I'm still here in chapter 2 here, Second Thessalonians. Even him who is coming is after the working of Satan with all lying and signs of lying wonders, power and lying wonders. Verse 10, and all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, deceiving them, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Folks, you've got to love the truth. And if you love the truth and you walk with God, God will keep his hand on us. He'll protect us and he'll keep us with all the stuff that's brewing in the world and all the things that's coming and going. God will always keep his hand on us. But in the world today, there is a developing of this, uh, of this, uh, this terrible uh, condition in which the Antichrist is going to come and he is going to set up a one world government. Uh, I'm going to talk to you in a few moments here about uh, the sin of Satan and uh, what what's Satan wants out of all of this. He'll give the Antichrist the power and they will worship the Antichrist and they worship Satan. Now, let me talk to you about some religions in the world today. And I'm gonna lead up to this and, sh- and tell you a little bit of what's about some, what's going on. Most of you are familiar with Hinduism. Hinduism is a, uh, is a major, the main religion in India. India has uh, numbers of uh, different religions, but Hinduism is their main religion. They believe very strongly in reincarnation, reincarnation. They believe that when you die, you are reincarnated in either an animal or a person. There's different levels of reincarnation. Some believe that you stay only in the human race. Some believe that you stay in any kind of race. You can be a bug or you can be a cow. This is why in India, you're not supposed to get, not supposed to kill the cows. You know that. Uh, you know, the cow gets in your way, you honk the horn, you help it get out of the road, but you don't get rough with the cows because he may be great grandma, you know. And they believe in the reincarnation. And I'm, not, and I'm not, I'm not being pernicious here. This is really the truth. You know, they believe it's the reincarnation thing. And uh, and if you live live your life good, and you're a good person, and you keep going up the ladder in this reincarnation, and eventually you'll be the ultimate class of people of humanity. And from there you go into the the big Brahma thing, which is all these great people that have all sort of gone into the Brahma, which is the uh, sort of the god of everything. And this is Hinduism. Then there's Buddhism. Buddhism is just the uh, religion of tolerance. Just be tolerant of everybody. Be kind to everybody. It's all over Asia, as you well know. And depending on what part of Asia you're in, the Buddha represents a little bit different things. Some parts of Asia, he's fat. Got a big fat face, fat belly, fat feet, short feet. Other places he's skinned and gaunt looking, thin, uh, and so forth. I've been in Korea and I've been in over in, uh, in, in Singapore and, and uh, Malaysia. Malaysia, I think he's skinny, you know. Uh, it's Tibet, Tibet, he's skinny. 
Anyhow, they, they got all of these different forms of Buddha, but Buddhism basically is just to be tolerant of everybody and everything. Whatever you want to believe is fine. Whatever I want to believe is fine. You just got to get along. There's Shintoism, which is a Japanese religion. This is the chief religion of Japan. They believe in, uh, they believe in uh, ancestor worship, and that's why the emperor is believed to be a god, and they believe in ancestor worship, and if you really want to make the gods happy, you make the ancestors happy by being willing to risk your life. And strange enough about the Japanese people, uh, they, uh, even, though, even, though, even if they're aggressive, they always feel themselves to be defensive. They're always defending their homeland, even when they're aggressive, they are. And so that's the way they, and they're willing to you know, give their life and all that kind of stuff. You know the, the story about all of that in World War II. That's Taoism, it's spelled T-A-O. T-O-I-S, and pronounced with a hard D, like Taoism. I think there's a restaurant down here, there's a Japanese restaurant down here called Tao, but it's spelled with a D, D-A-O, and uh, everything. But it means Taoism simply is a religion where they believe in uh, what's called the yin and the yang. That's a, you've seen the big circle, and you've got two big fireballs. They're going like they're going around and around. They're either one's red, one's white, one's red, one's black, or one's red, one's yellow, you know, whatever. They're different colors, and they're supposed to be representing two forces of power, good and evil, and positive and negative, going around with each other. And because that each one's trying to catch the other or outdo the other, they keep the whole world going. They keep everything spinning. And so they, that's, uh, that's sort of a Taoism is like that called the yin and the yang. The yin is the positive, the yang is the negatives and so forth. Everything has a yin or a yang in it. And so it goes around, 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 so forth. Um, there's Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism is ancient religion of the Persians. And that's, they believe that there is good and evil, that everything is equal. Good and evil is equal. And they're always opposing each other. And they believe in somewhat like Taoism, but they are not just on a round and round thing. It's just that the forces are always there. And so we can either let ourselves to be influenced by the good or influenced by the evil. And that was called Zoroastrianism. It's sort of a dead religion anymore. It was the old ancient religion of the, of the Persians and so forth. And then I want to talk to you just for a few moments here about Islam. Islam. And uh, as you well know, Mohammed, you know, came forth and he established the uh, religion of Islam <clears throat> or Mohammedism as we call it sometimes. And uh, it's got two different major branches in it. One is the Sunni, which comes out of Saudi Arabia. And the Sunni has a, a leadership is called the, is called the uh, Caliphate. Uh, that's whoever's in charge, like Mohammed was whenever he was living, and those that would follow him. Uh, the leader himself is called the Caliph. Caliph. Uh, that means that he is like, uh, one made, one's the title of the office, the other is the title of the man himself. So the Caliph. Uh, is the head of the caliphate. And so they are the leaders of this Sunni side of this particular uh, Saudi Arabia, Islam faction and so forth. And uh, they, uh, they, you know, they believe in war. And they are a little bit milder than the other branches. But then there is one that is out of Iran that is the old ancient Persian religion. And uh, this is one that's a little bit called the Shiites. And uh, they do not believe so much in the caliph or the caliphate as much as they believe in the imams. The imams are their leaders. And they believe that the caliphate has too many leaders 
and that all the leaders of the Arab world should have been direct descendants of Muhammad. And so they discount some of the others. And so they believe in that this Imam, whoever rises to power, he is the head of all the Muslim world, even though all the Muslim world may not recognize him. And sometimes the caliph in the Saudi Arabia or the North African side will battle with that in, in the, and they'll fight each other and they'll, this goes on and goes on and on. Now I'm coming to this point right here. Now listen very closely to what I'm going to tell you here. In this uh, Shiite side of the religion of the, of the Muslims, in this Kiyad site, there is a religion called the 12th Imam. And what they believe is that the 12th Imam from Mohammed, the 12th one who lived around 900 AD, that he was hidden away in the mountains somewhere in Iran. And that he was hidden away, nobody knows where he was put. There were three men that his father, who was the Imam at that time, told his, these three servants, take care of my son, and make sure he's protected. I'm going to go out and fight the caliphate, and I'm going to fight them and bring them under subjection to us. Well, he went out and had battle, and he died in the battles, and so he didn't make it. Well, these other three men were up in the mountains with his son, and they waited and waited. Nobody ever showed up. Two of them died, and finally the third one followed. He decided he better go down and see what's going on. So he went down, and they said, oh, what about the son? What about the son? He said, well, the other two men that were to protect him have all have passed away, but he's still living. But he said, and he's the 12th Imam, he will not come down until the world is on fire or until Islam has conquered the world. And when Islam conquers the world, then he will come down and he will rule. They said, really? Yeah. Oh my, then we have got to conquer the world. And that's why that this branch of Islam is very aggressive, very aggressive. And uh, there was a prime minister or dictator, whatever you want to call him, of, of uh, uh, Imadimajad, I think is his name, that lived several, uh, of Iran, of several decades, maybe a decade ago. And he was a 12th imam. Uh, he, was, he was a 12th uh, imam believer of Shiite. And so they believe that this guy is still living and he is waiting and he has not died and he's called the Mahdi. He's called the Mahdi. You ever hear that name Mahdi among the Muslims? This is what they're talking about. And they believe the Mahdi is going to show up again. Now, are you with me here on this? The, in, in the Muslim religion, there is the Mahdi who is coming back. And uh, with the Jewish people, there is the Messiah who is yet to come. And among Christians... And the ones that don't go in the rapture that's going to be here during the tribulation period, they, they believe that Jesus, you know, is going to come back too. But they're, you know, they're, they're worldly and they don't live for God and, and they're not going to make the rapture, but they believe Jesus is coming back. And if they miss the rapture and they're heartbroken and everything and they feel like, oh, the Messiah has shown up, the Christ has shown up. That's why Jesus said, don't go out in the desert, don't go into the city, don't do this, don't do that. And so he's warning them against a false Christ, warned the Jews against believing in a false Christ. And then the Mohammeds, they believe that there is a Mahdi that's coming back. And what I'm trying to show you here tonight is that the Antichrist is going to be all of that for all of these people. And then you have these other religions of the world that have tolerance, they have long-suffering, 
They believe in being patient. They believe in being just whatever you want us to be. That's what we are and so forth until he is going to bring the whole world under one religion. And he's going to be the God. He's going to be the God manifest in flesh to them. Now, if you think I'm kidding, it's in the word. I've showed it to you in Daniel. I've showed it to you in Thessalonians. Uh, it's over in the book of Revelation where that uh, the, the, uh, this, uh, this, this antichrist is going to make himself to be worshiped and the Lord, he's going to rise to power in three and a half years and then he's going to rule the world for three and a half years. And the Bible goes on to say that man will not be able to buy and sell. sell. I'm going back over here to Revelation chapter 13. And uh, it says here, I'm going to pick it up at verse 13, chapter 13, verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and of the image of the beast should have both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond. I'm reading verse 16 here now in, in 13 of Revelation that both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then it said, here's wisdom. The number is the number of a man, and so forth. Now, the reason I'm telling you all of this, folks, is because that this one world religion that's coming is going to be ultimately a worship of the Antichrist and a worship of Satan. Now, let me show you something. I'm going to read a couple of verses. My time is about gone. The, ant, the, the devil wants to be worshipped. He wants to be worshipped. This is why always give God the glory. I'm serious. This is very important to us. If he can cause any of us to be exalted in ourselves and puffed up, we call it pride. The Bible calls it that, we, you know. We get puffed up in ourselves. That's how he starts with us. You know, he will try to, he will try to get you to question the word of God. You know, like he said to Eve, have God said, you know, in the day that you did this fruit, you should surely die, have God said. That's the first thing he said was a question. Question the word of God. The second thing is not to believe the word of God. You know, you shall not surely die. In the day that you did this, you shall not surely die. Has anybody seen Eve lately? <laughs> She's not around, you know. She's not here. And she died. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, and I think a day with the Lord is a thousand years. Jesus, God, the Lord was talking about a dispensational day, not a 24-hour day and everything. But anyhow, the devil, you know, quite, and then he goes on to try to now challenge the word of God or disregard the word of God or disobey the word of God and then blaspheme God. Don't even be afraid of it and do it. And this is what he attempts to do now. This is all the spirit of Satan. I want you to look with me in Isaiah 14, 12. I'm going to show you the nature of Satan here very quick. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast been seen, thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This is Satan. 
yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And also Ezekiel speaks about it. Ezekiel 28, 12. So a man take up the lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, saying to him, uh, thus saith the Lord God that sealeth up the sun, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. In other words, you were there as the serpent. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about every precious stone was our covering. God made him all kinds of things. Right in the very last word of that 15th verse, he goes on to say, in, in the day that thou wast created. I'm saving time because my time is gone. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. In other words, I put you in that place. Uh, thou wast upon the holy mountains of God. And in verse 15, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. In other words, Satan was, he was not born, he was created. Till iniquity was found in thy heart. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, down the latter part of verse 16, O covering cherub, cause him to cover, verse 17, thine heart, 17, was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. And he goes on to talk about him full of iniquity and so forth. Satan wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be like God. And this is the sin of Satan. And if he can get any person to make themselves to feel like, boy, I'm like God. That's what he does with these rock stars. And all these people crying out for him. And all these people that cheer these people as in high places and everything. These people get exalted in themselves. And they just, they just feed on that. And they feed on that. Next thing you know, something happens, they're gone. And I'm just trying to tell you here today that this one world government, the Antichrist, is going to be that kind of a person. What about you and I, Brother Myers? Well, walk with God, serve the Lord, and stay faithful to the things of God. Walk with the Lord. Love holiness. Love righteousness. Love truth. Love worship. When you come to church, don't just sit there like this. Worship the Lord. When they say, let's lift our hands and praise the Lord, let's praise him. Amen. When they said, let's all stand and give God the praise and the glory. Let's stand and give God the praise and the glory. Let's do it because God is worthy of it. Praise the Lord. He is our God. Amen. And we are creatures of his creation. Amen. We've been made and we've been put here and God is good to us to allow us to exist. Let's stand together and let's just lift our hands one more time and praise him. Would you do that? Lord, we love you. We thank you. We magnify your name. Bless Lord. This congregation today, be with us in all things. Keep your hand on us. We love you, Lord, for all things. Bless the morning service. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Remain standing, if you will, here this morning.